Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! What for? Because you hit any other damn thing out there, I want you to be perfect. When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. He didn't slam you, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And rubbing son is racing. Hey race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to the Draft in the Circus program. My name is Frank Santorowski, I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about uh, some interesting stuff, since there's no actual racing to talk about. Uh, joining me in the studio tonight, Seth Eggert, Richard Uden, Christopher DeHardy. Fellas, how we doing? Doing well. Sober. Good, thank Sober, you. okay, well we can fix that. We can fix that during quarantine. So, uh, anyway, uh, before we get started, uh, we've got a neat topic for you tonight. But before we get started, I want to give a shout out to uh, our friend Gray Warren. Uh, I, I know I had mentioned um, uh, a week or two ago to you folks that uh, Gray was under the weather, um, and it, there, there's more to it than that. Uh, Gray's gone public with his battle, so I so I can tell you now that uh, our, our friend Gray uh, is battling cancer. And um, it's it's so he's uh, doing the treatments, which are not easy on him, especially in these uncertain times right now. So uh, I just wanted to give a shout out to Gray, uh, let you know that we're thinking about you and uh, some of Gray's friends down there in North Carolina. Now, if if you don't know, Gray, Gray has worked in NASCAR uh, in various capacities for different teams since 1974. Um, He's got a lot of friends in the Carolina area. Uh, a couple of friends of it have um, commissioned a T-shirt uh, that says Team Gray, um, and, and on the back it's Gray's Army, and um, they're they're selling those to kind of help uh, help defray the cost of some of his uh, medical bills and whatnot. So if you would just uh, look at the Drafting the Circuits Facebook page, there's a post on there from Gray's son uh, that the information if you want to um, get you this this really cool T-shirt. Um, I, I believe it's it's only ten dollars for the smaller sizes and uh, or twelve dollars for the um, the double uh, X sizes. So uh, uh, just consider doing that. Uh, you know, I I've known Gray. Gray and I have been doing drafting the circuits together since uh, 2013. Richard, you and Gray worked together. Richard Childress Racing, Seth, and Where Chris. You, you have uh, you've you've been. Um, on the show with us for a couple of years. So, uh, uh, you know, Gray, we think about you every day and, um, yeah, we just wish you the best. So, yeah. Now, 
Indeed, yeah. Gray's such a good dude, man. You know, so. Oh yeah. And I, I just hate that that um, that he's going through this. So, uh, I, I mean, if you want to support him, go ahead. Uh, otherwise, keep him in your thoughts. So, with that being said, with most of the country under what they call a stay-at-home order uh, and whatnot, um, I mean, what what do you have to do? You're not some place you're not allowed to leave your house unless you're going to the grocery store or or getting medical supplies. So uh, a lot of folks can't go to work, um, trapped at home. So what do you do, man? You you got your streaming television. You got your, you can still stop by a Redbox machines are still going. So uh, a lot of folks are taking to watching movies, watching older movies, newer movies, whatever they can get their hands on. But a lot of racing fans are going through and, uh, you know, number one, watching a lot of old races on YouTube, uh, which is pretty fun. Uh, we're watching some iRacing here and there. But um, yeah, a lot of folks are talking about racing movies. So I thought it would be uh, kind of a neat topic. We'll talk about some of our favorite racing movies. Um and our favorite scenes from our favorite race movies, and uh, give you some thumbs up or thumbs down. We'll, we can play movie reviewers for the for the day. Um, so, uh, I mean, with that being said, Seth, I, I was thinking about what would be the highest grossing because you know auto racing films are notoriously kind of niche in thing, and they really don't do a lot of box office. And and I was thinking. That I wonder what the highest grossing at the box office racing themed film was, right? So I looked it up, and of course the the answer I got was like the first three are these Fast and Furious movies. Uh, so uh, I like to discount those because while that is a type of racing, but uh, Seth, what do you think the highest grossing movie that that features sanctioned racing? What what, what do you think it would be? Uh, if I had to decide. You don't have to decide. You just have to guess. Or, or if I had to guess, I would, I would have to say something very recent. I would actually have to say Ford versus Ferrari, and mainly because, A, how recent it was, and the fact that it's both Matt Damon and Christian Bale as the lead actors. Uh, I just I have that funny feeling that would be the highest grossing all the racing movie with sanctioned racing. Nah. So now, Christopher, nah, Christopher, what do you think? Where where would you go with this thought? Days of Thunder. Okay, now Richard. I would say, see, in the UK is big because it was out there. Rush. Don't know if it was as big over here, which is obviously where the biggest, uh, um, you know, purchasing is. But uh, yeah, I'd go Rush, but I don't think it's. Okay, so you'd probably be surprised to find out that it's the, uh, the the top two movies are both from Disney's Cars franchise, Cars Two and then Cars <laughs> Cars One, yeah. Because you know we almost discount the thought that that a children's movie or a movie designed, uh, you know, at, at children, but but those are always high grossing films, and and it is and it is a sanctioned auto racing theme. There's the Piston Cup. Seth, you remember the old Piston Cup? You got stabbed from the old Piston Cup. So, <laughs> so that was actually but, uh, my second guess. Uh, yeah, yeah. Frank, but that's a, my third guess would have been Driven. You'd have been way off base. <laughs> driven, driven hasn't made back the money they uh, they paid to make the film yet. So, but 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 you know, but you know, Days of Thunder is pretty high on the list. Ford versus Ferrari is climbing the list. Uh, quickly, especially now that you're factoring in, uh, you know, it, it's streaming and, and DVD 
or I, it's it's DVD and Blu-ray now. I believe it's going to streaming very soon. Um, Talladega Nights is another one that is uh, kind of up there near the top of the list. Yeah. You know, once you once you sort through all those, you know, that is a largely a comedy. You know, driven by Will Ferrell, who's you know box office gold, or he was for a time. Uh, but it is a a straight up auto racing themed movie. So. Um, interesting enough, but let's talk about let's, let's kind of break this up, okay? Because we've all got uh, different films we've seen. Uh, we're varied in age, uh, somewhat, uh, or, or I am. <laughs> I'm older than you three youngins. Uh, if we had Gray here, he'd be older than me. Uh, but let's let's start by talking about documentary film, and then we'll 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 move over to dramatic film. So, um, Christopher. What's your What's your favorite documentary film about racing? About racing, yeah. I, I know there's a lot of good ones we could talk about, but just 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 throw one out and then let's break it down. I'm gonna I'm actually gonna throw out two because there's two that I love that I can't pick between, and it's uh, Uppity, the Will You Two Rib Story, and then Tim Richmond to the Limit. Okay, now Uppity, I I just watched that recently. We had uh, Willie T mm-hmm. on our show last year to talk about the film. Um. But what were your thoughts on Uppity? I mean, what what really just kind of grabbed you this, wow, this is really well made? Um, well, there were a couple of things that grabbed me. First of all, um, the the Trans Am stories through the 80s was, were fantastic. Um, I, was, I was expecting the 91 story to be told a lot at the end. I wasn't – I didn't know that that was going to be technically the end of the story because um, I thought they were, they were going to focus more on some other stuff he did after that. But um, I thought that it was well done. Um, there were a couple of things that I could nitpick from the from the movie, but overall I thought it was really well done, I, and I liked it a lot. The uh, one thing I wish they would have added was um, in the Q&A afterwards, someone asked Willie T. Ribs if his grandfather ever watched him race, and he did once at Sonoma in 1985. Willie won that race, and then um, his grandfather asked him how much money he made. He told him, and he said, keep racing. <laughs> Keep racing, yeah. Good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, so Seth, you have a chance to see Uppity? Uh, I have not as of yet. Richard? Mm, good. I have seen it, and it was interesting. In a way, I, I, I know we had Willie on the show a few weeks ago, a few months ago now, I guess, and it would have been, in a way, nice for me to have watched the movie first and then had a chance to talk to him because it's a fascinating, I mean, fascinating character. Um, but you... And... and, and you know, obviously the guy had, you know, overcame some incredible hurdles to get to where he got to. Um, and a lot of them totally unacceptable, purely based on race and the like, which is, he has no place for that. But you, you just wonder, is it, did they show the whole story? Because I know he's a very controversial figure in his career. I just wonder if there was maybe more to the other side of it that wasn't shown. And I would have been interesting to have you know, maybe got, maybe have a little bit better understanding of maybe if there was, you know, talking just like David Hobbs and some of those guys to see how they, their side of the story, because obviously the movie was very much in his favor, naturally. But, yeah, I mean, um, that's that that's one of the, the criticisms of the film, that it's it's kind of slanted a little bit. Yeah. And, and maybe somebody told me that they, they demonized David Hobbs, which I didn't did see. I, 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 you know, I, didn't, I didn't see it quite that harshly, but yeah, they. I was going to know. They, yeah, they, they put obviously a, they were rivals. Well, obviously they were rivals, yeah, but I mean, you know, when we're talking about documentary film, I mean, I mean, the Senate film they didn't demonize Prost as much as they did um, 
Hobbs in this one, you know. But uh, no. I mean, at the end of the day, uh, my big takeaway from the film was I did not realize how close Willie T was to running in Formula One. No, no, that was amazing. No, I, I did. I mean, I was acutely aware that he had a, had a test, and him and uh, Bernie were kind of tight when Bernie was running Brad, but but I didn't realize that that he was that close to actually. Um, you know, being the next, Ameri- tests, Ameri- next American, I believe so. Yeah, but he was, I didn't really think he was that close to being the next American Formula One at the time. So that, that, that was very interesting for me. And Willie's a, a very interesting person. You know, I, you know, oh. we had a, we had him on the show last year, and it was that, that was we uh, could have serialized it, couldn't we? I mean, it was... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, uh, but yeah, Uppity is available on Netflix. So, man, I highly recommend it uh, if if you haven't seen it uh, while you're quarantined. Um, you know. Uh, give it a look. I mean, this is, you know, again, history-making, the first uh, African-American driver to qualify for the Indy 500, and that happened in 1991, and it just it's almost mind-boggling when you think uh, how other sports were integrated so much earlier that, that it took that long for a uh, an African-American driver to um, make the Indy 500. And then there's only been one other since, being George Mack uh, during the IRL days, so... So we still got we've still got a, got a ways to go with diversity in racing, and uh, I think Uppity does a great job telling that story. Now, Chris, the other one you mentioned was Tim Richmond. Yes, Tim Richmond to the limit. It was one of the original ESPN Thirty for Thirty films um, about the life and times of Tim Richmond and his um, his career, his rise in, in NASCAR, and then his tragic uh, his tragic fall as well, and the fighting that he had with NASCAR as well, and it also went into um, a bit of an AIDS expose um, on how life in the United States was for AIDS patients in the 80s and early 90s as well. Um, really, really interesting film. I, I saw that one long ago, and I really I don't have a lot of takeaways from it now. Seth or, or Richard, have you guys had a, had a look at that one? No, I haven't, unfortunately. It, it's been a while since I've watched it. I've I had to watch it about 10 years ago or so, uh, give or take. Uh, like Chris said, it is a very interesting film. Uh, I don't quite remember the segment on the AIDS patients, but then again, where it's been 10 years since I've seen it. Uh, but it, his fight with NASCAR was very intriguing. I wasn't as aware of it before watching the film. Uh, mainly because Tim Richmond was just a little bit before my time. So I wasn't as aware of who he was as a driver until I watched that documentary. Yeah, the thing I remember about Tim Richmond is that he was he was on his way to being a star in IndyCars till he switched gears to go to NASCAR. Uh, you know, he had, he had a great run at the Indy 500 his rookie year. And then, and I'm not, you know, I'm not 100% sure of all the details, but he, you know, I don't know if it was more money or more opportunity. So, so Chris, can you shed a little light on that? Because I'm just, I'm a little foggy there, even though I lived through it. He uh, crashed once at Michigan, and his mom said, you get him out of that car, or else I'm going to divorce you. I'm going to take everything you've got, and I'm going to come after all of you with a gun. So that's okay, well, yeah. Nice so, yeah, so that's where it came up with NASCAR. I remember that story now that she, now that she told. I remember the crash in Michigan, and his family was not happy about that. Yeah. So, but um, ESPN Thirty for Thirties, uh, they do a real nice job. Uh, and again, we had, um, if you recall, we had uh, uh, Jenna Ricker on the show 
um, last year as well, and she produced, you know, you know, produced and directed the um, the Janet Guthrie 30 for 30, and the 30 for 30s are available for viewing right now. I believe if you as if you have ESPN Plus, which a lot of folks have it and don't even know they have it because they they got the when they picked up Disney Plus they uh, bundled it with their Hulu and uh, ESPN has thrown their thrown in there as well. So uh, you may very well have ESPN Plus. Um, so you can check out some of the 30 for 30s, and there's a lot of really well-done sports documentaries in general, um, as well as this, uh, you know, fine document about Tim Richmond and the, the, the one about Janet Guthrie, which I thought was very well done as well. Now, that being said, Richard, did you have a favorite documentary out there? Uh, there's a couple. Um, I mean, you did mention it briefly, the Senna. That, that is a documentary, really, isn't it? It was sent a movie, wasn't it? But it was a documentary movie more than anything. Yeah, uh, yes, I thought it was. It was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let's talk uh, about very, that. Very, it was very well done, yeah. But go ahead. Very, very, very well done. Um, any, no, go. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. But naturally, because of who it was, it got a lot of publicity and it was very, very well received. But there's another documentary that um, I watched. I watched on a plane a few years ago, actually. And um, yeah, it, I thought it was really, really good. And it may not be out in the US. It may not have had much exposure over here, but it certainly got a little bit of exposure in the UK. And it was called Journey to Le Mans, which was written about or followed um, uh, a, a team called uh, Jota, Yota, I'm not quite sure how you pronounce it, Yota Sport in their bid. Jota, uh, yeah. So they're uh, LMP, I don't, they weren't LMP1, so probably LMP2, LMP2 yeah, um, of around two. about, yeah, 2013, 12, 13, 14-ish. Around about then, but it was it was just like a fly on the wall documentary, really sort of thing, and it, it covered it. And I thought it was fascinating. Uh, it really was. Um, there's, you know, the, the the team's owned by a wealthy businessman who's also a driver, and you know, pretty pretty tidy driver as well. And um, yeah, it, I don't know if it's on Amazon or Netflix or Hulu or any of these uh, little obscure, you know, because I know that they pick up a lot of these obscure little documentary style movies, but if anybody can find it, it's um, it's a pretty good little uh, good watch for a couple of hours. I saw it on Netflix a few years ago. It was it was a good one. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting to see how many like new documentaries are coming out uh, in, in in racing because there's the, uh, the Juan Fangio one just hit Netflix not that long ago. And um, I, I, I watched that. I mean, the 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 larger part of the the film is in Spanish and its subtitles and 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 I 
I have a hard time watching a subtitle film because I'm trying to read the subtitles and I miss the action on the screen. Uh, but I thought that was particularly well done. Um, and, uh, of, of course, the, the other uh, documentary, there's a couple, the, the Shelby one is out there on Netflix. The woman yeah. Carol Shelby was very good. Um, and the, the 24 hour wars, which is all, you know, all kind of based around the, um, the Ford versus Ferrari thing. Uh, cause they inevitably when there's a, there's a dramatic film making some money, the documentaries come out just like when, when rush was released, the hunt versus Lauda documentary came out. And then the film that was entitled one, remember that? Did you see the film called one? Yeah, it was about safety in motorsports. It was that was actually also really well done too. Right, but it had a it had a big big segment on the whole hunt louder thing as well. The, the, those were all really good um, must watch movies if you enjoy uh, racing documentaries. Then the other one that that uh, came out recently was Rapid Response, um, and we had uh, Michael Miles on the on the show earlier this year who uh, directed that film, and I thought that was quite well done I, I really enjoyed rapid response and then there's the companion film which is called yellow 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 which was made for television and they pretty much they, they put that film together with leftover stuff from from rapid response and got that one to market first uh, because it was the more recent stuff but if you watch the two together rapid response tells the story of the evolution of safety and then yellow, yellow, yellow shows the safety in practice today. I, I, I think if, if you watch the both of them yeah, as a companion piece, it's, it's quite, quite interesting to see, you know, where we were and how far we've come. So anyone else can jump in and make a comment. <laughs> well, I, mean, I haven't, I haven't seen rapid response or yellow, yellow, yellow. Um, I mean, I've got so many other things I got going on with watching stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm but one other thing I wanted to ask, um, did they actually make Yellow, Yellow, Yellow and Rapid Response available on Netflix yet or no? Or is it on, or is it just strictly DVD or Amazon Prime Video? Uh, Amazon Prime Video has Yellow, Yellow, Yellow. And I, I want to say Rapid Response is on there now as well. All right. Well, I mean, I got, now I got two things I need to add to my watch queue. But yeah, I haven't seen those yet. But I mean, I, I have heard some good things about Yellow Yellow. I mean, not Yellow, I mean, Rapid Response. I've read part of the book that Steve Olby wrote. It's pretty good from what I saw. It was a very good book, yeah. The, the book is a lot more brutal than a the movie. Uh, there, there's some stuff in the book that'll make you cringe, you know, especially like, like the, the Gordon Smiley chapter. So. But anyway, so Seth, you be quiet over there. You're your big NASCAR guys. Any any good NASCAR documentaries out there that uh, that you would recommend for folks well, folks that are quarantined? Well, specifically looking at NASCAR documentaries, uh, you can't go wrong with Dale, uh, Petty Blue. Uh, both uh, come from CMT, uh, uh, the CMT channel. But Dale was done in conjunction with uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kelly Earnhardt, and RCR, which that tells the story of Dale Earnhardt Sr. much more accurately than some other uh, documentaries or pseudo-documentaries that came beforehand, uh, like 3, for example. Um, well, now 3 is a dramatic movie, and that's for our second yeah, segment, yeah. segment of the show. So and I've, um, I've got some comments in that movie, but we'll get to that later. Uh, Petty Blue is in the same vein, uh, came from CMT in conjunction with the 
what's now uh, Richard Payne Motorsports. Although I will say if anyone is interested, there's also plenty of YouTube documentaries as well. I have to give a shout out to our friend Brock Beard, uh, Three Before Daytona, or Three Before February, I should say, uh, is an excellent documentary that he put together. Granted, it's not professionally done, but it is an excellent uh, documentary to watch uh, if you want to maybe watch some that you don't have to pay for. Uh, no offense to uh, Amazon Prime or Netflix or anything like that, but there are plenty uh, both on YouTube, on uh, Amazon, and other outlets to go and look for. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Now, we've had Brock on the show a number of times, and he um, he's done a, a bunch of films with the the, the under the, the, the channel. The channel is called NASCAR Man. Correct. And NASCAR Man is the filmmaker, and Brock does the commentary. Uh, and, and Brock's got that great voice for commentary. Uh, but they have done a, a couple of really good ones. Uh, one of my favorite ones is the one is I, I believe it's called Who Who Was Gordon Smiley? Yes. Yeah. yeah that yes. that and... that is that is outstanding because everyone knows Gordon Smiley for his death and and, and how kind of brutal that crash was. But th- this. The, the little film they did, and I believe it's only like 12 to 14 minutes long, but they really focused on, on Gordon's early career and, and, and what he was doing in his whole race career. And then the, you know, the, the, the crash and his death is kind of an afterthought. It's more of just a, 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 a neat little thing about uh, who Gordon was, how he interacted with people. And um, I, I thought it was really well done because, like I said, again, here's a guy who's best known for dying at the Speedway. But there was so much more to him than that. Exactly. Now, most of those documentaries, except uh, Three Before February, most of those are maybe 15, 20 minutes long. Three Before February is, I believe, an hour and a half. Uh, Then NASCAR Man did a documentary, and this is before he teamed up with Brock, uh, on the tire war uh, that NASCAR had in the 80s and 90s. And that's, I believe, 45 minutes long. But these are excellent to go and check out if you have time. Uh, highly recommend them. Highly recommend uh, I'll, stepping out of the NASCAR world for a minute. Uh, one, the 24-hour war, which you brought up, Frank. Both of those are excellent. I learned – I'll be honest. Until I watched one, there was not a lot I knew about Formula One back in the day or even recently. Uh, the 24 hour war, by the time I watched that, I have learned a lot more about sports cars. So I do, I did know much more about the, uh, Ford versus Ferrari, uh, saga going into it than I did formula one going into one, uh, both movies. Uh, I'll be honest. I have them in my queue right now to, uh, go and rewatch them during this quarantine just because, uh, how much I do like those two movies. Yeah, those are two good ones. Now, some of my favorite documentaries are, I, I've got this one that I keep going back to, and it was filmed in during the 1973 Formula One season. And it was originally released in 74, and then it was re-released in 78, and then it was retitled somewhere in between. So, so this film, it's, it, it's under three different titles. The original title of the film, I believe, was One by One, and then it was retitled as the the Grand Prix Drivers, 
And then it was on the re the seventy eight re release. It was titled "The Quick and the Dead." Uh, but this film was filmed during the nineteen seventy three Formula One season. It, it's got a lot of really neat visuals of of the cars during that era, and uh, a lot of really just neat interviews with the drivers and candid candid interviews with the drivers where we're not you know set up in a thing we're just we're just sitting talking over a cocktail or I mean, there's a scene in there where Francois Sievert is you know putting on his uh, his his you know two layers of Nomex and, and kind of describing that and it's just really neat and um, it's narrated by Stacy Keach and it's it's always been one of my favorites but I got but I got a funny story to tell you about it so when they re-released it in 77 or 78, I was about 12 years old, and they had it on HBO. And, you know, back then, HBO only had like 10 movies at a time, so they would play they, they play the same couple things over and over again, right? So I probably watched this film like 20 times, um, you know, because every time it was on, I watched it again because it was so good. All the racing stuff was so good. Um, but there's this scene in there with, with uh, Sievert, uh, Francois Sievert, um, walking along a beach in Paris, which is a topless beach, right? So I'm sitting in the house watching this movie, and of course there's this scene where he's walking through the beach, and there's all these topless women. And wouldn't you know, that's the moment my mother walks into the room and says, uh, what are you watching? I'm like, it's a racing movie, I swear. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's the one scene my mom saw in the movie. So I'm, you know, know, mom, I've got it. I've got all these topless women on the screen here, and I'm like, this is a racing movie. Um, but anyway, so, you know, oddly enough, as their Sever is one of the guys they followed through the whole film, right? And he died during that season. So so this this film captures um, the emotions of the, the, the folks uh, that were close to him kind of immediately afterwards. Um, and it's just, it's really, to watch it today... Um, you know, for being a film that's you know made back in the early seventies, still it still holds up as a solid documentary piece. Um, there's a couple other old ones I like. There's the um, uh, Weekend of a Champion uh, with uh, that was done by Roman Polanski and he where he follows Jackie Stewart. Um, another one of my favorite documentaries is The Racing Life of Paul Newman, uh, which is now Chris. Chris, you've seen that one, right? Uh, I might have seen part of that. I don't think I remember seeing the whole thing. Okay, well, it's another very, very well done documentary, and it's like, um, especially, you know, it's like, uh, I grew up, you know, watching Newman race sports cars and then, you know, starting an IndyCar team and whatnot, but, but you know, now you've got a younger generation, you know, Newman passed away in 2008, I believe, and Newman Haas is just a, a mere memory uh, for all of us cart fans, uh, but uh, uh, you know Paul was a big deal. He really was, and and this this whole thing about his whole his passion for racing. I mean, there was a time he was nominated for an Oscar and skipped the award ceremony to go race somewhere. You know, so th that's another really good um, documentary uh, th that I really enjoy. And then some of the and again, like we've talked about some of these recent ones. Some of these recent ones are just just spot on. And um, very well done. So, um, guys, any any other films we didn't mention documentary-wise? Because because I know there there are, are many. 
Uh, if you want to go with TV, made-for-TV documentaries, uh, I would highly recommend One Hot Night, which is about the 1992 Winston and running it underneath the lights. Um, I would also recommend – there was one documentary that was done – I forget uh, the exact name of it, but it was about the 1979 Daytona 500 and it being brought to television for the first time and talking about it from that perspective. And if you're looking for made-for-YouTube um, stuff, there was a documentary series that a guy called Empty Box made. It was um, – He's a sim racer, does like a lot of like iRacing, project cars kind of stuff. Um, he did, I think, a seven or eight part series about the open wheel split and starting with 1978-79 uh, with the USAC split and then moving on to the 80s, 90s and then to reunification. Really well done stuff. I did. I did see that whole thing about the split. Yeah, that that is really well done. Yeah. Uh, another one that I'll bring up: uh, Madness on Wheels, Rallying's uh, Craziest Years. Uh, it's all on the Group B rally cars uh, from the 1980s. Uh, it's a one-hour documentary. Uh, watching it, I think two or three years. Uh, it is a very interesting movie because, again, rally car isn't that big in the U.S. But the story that is told, how it was almost like the F1 of rally car uh, and how crazy it was, um, it, it's an interesting watch, to say the least. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I have seen it. I mean, cause in Europe, especially in the UK, rallying is, is, is massive. Um, and actually, I think the Rally of Great Britain is actually has more spectators than the British Grand Prix. And I think the Rally of Great Britain is like, in the top five most attended sporting events in the world or something every year. It's crazy how many people go. And I I think I've been to the World Rally more than I have been the British Grand Prix. It's so much fun. Um, but, you know, you, you look at the... And also there is that sort of... Especially in the UK, there's that uh, tragedy sort of aspect to it. You know, losing guys like Colin McRae and Richard Burns, like that, who are just, you know, raw talent. Um and to lose both of them relatively young, I think, uh, you know, the, it, it certainly it's a shame that it's not more noted in the U.S. I mean, I know there is a U.S. rally sort of series, but uh, it is a shame there's not more of it over it because it is it's so good. Yeah, it's, and those yeah. guys are crazy. Another uh, documentary film I wanted to bring up was it was another it was done by ESPN, but it, it was not a 30 for 30, but it was uh, Wendell Scott. I think it was called Wendell Scott, A Racing Life. Yes. If yeah, that that one is really well done. They talked to uh, uh, Wendell's uh, sons and daughters, and family members and folks he competed against, and they really um, did a really nice job with that. Uh, I mean, Wendell Scott's always been for me a a bit of a racing hero. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Because we'll get into this in the dramatic section of the film because I I really love the movie Grease Lightning as a kid even though it's there's there's nothing historically accurate in the film but when I was a freshman in college I went to college at uh, Averett College in Danville Virginia and I was studying studying journalism and one of our assignments was to find a a story of you know local interest 
And I'm like, well, as I recall from the from that Grease Lightning movie that uh, Wendell Scott is from Danville, Virginia. I wonder if he still lives here. And we found him and me and my buddy um, were, you know, after a couple of phone calls back and forth, uh, invited out to the, the, his garage. He had a you know garage at the time and um, interviewed him for the for the school paper. And uh, so he so said, I got to meet the guy just a couple. Uh, he, uh, it was 86 when I was a freshman in college, and I th- believe he passed away in 1990. So, um, but but it's always kind of stuck with me that, and just to watch to see the nice job that ESPN did with this uh, this film um, was just I really liked it. So, any more documentaries you want to throw out there before we talk about dramatic films? I- I'm all out. I'm good. Let's do it. I'm sure I'll think of one five minutes later. But. <laughs> <laughs> so talk about just like dramatic films, right? Um, uh, you know, we always talk about, well, you know, one of the, the highest box office dramatic racing films, um, other than the Disney Cars movies, is uh, Days of Thunder, right? And I've watched Days of Thunder recently. You know, obviously you folks that listen to us week in and week out, we've got quotes from Days of Thunder on our in our intro song. Um, but but this movie still stands up as a good film, even though it's a pariah in Hollywood. Um, but uh, I mean, Seth, you've seen Days of Thunder probably several times, right? Yes. I mean, yes. it, it just. Uh, what are some of your favorite bits out of Days of Thunder? Honestly, I would have to go with the realistic racing moments because there are some that are not realistic I but the scenes that they do portray racing in when it's realistic in the movie uh they're they're not gonna put in high gear on the last lap <laughs> if they've been waiting <laughs> that long they're not they're having issues but this is, that, that's, be, just, that's just like a hollywood thing right I know. I where, where, know. You, where you see the guy in an oval track race, and then he shifts the gear. He's I'm gonna drop the hammer. I mean, you see the same thing in um, Talladega Nights. You know, you don't yeah, shift on yeah. an oval. But uh, but uh, but I but, but talked about Justin. You do have Pocono. Okay, well, it's a triangle, not an oval. Find find a find a Pocono. Find the Pocono scene in Days of Thunder. <laughs> when uh when uh Cole Trickle actually passed uh on the outside to win, that was actually at, at Pocono in real life. In the film it was at Darlington. I win. Really? <laughs> yeah, that was when Tim Richmond won. I think it was like eighty six he did that. Okay, I thought, I, you, I thought you'd tell me they filmed it at Pocono. No, that that literally happened at po- that happened in real life at Pocono. In the movie it happened at Darlington. Um, yeah, I know that Cole Trigal so is loose, loosely based on Tim Richmond, yeah. I have heard that, yeah. So Anyway, my, my favorite scene from Days of Thunder is one I, I can't really tell you the whole quote, but it has to do with, uh, you know, when they, they, they get in a little trouble there in the pits and whatnot, and then uh, Randy Quaid, who plays the team owner, he says... Guys, I'm out there trying to get us a sponsor, shaking hands and kissing babies, and we end up looking like a monkey bleep, being a football. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, so, but I, in my mind, that that film still holds up as 
just an entertaining movie to watch. Now, it, the problem with a dramatic racing film is that, that that folks that could just enjoy a good film enjoy it. Racing fans will tear it apart. <laughs> they, yeah. they, they will tear apart every inaccuracy. And and to your point, now we'll we'll bring up that film three, the Dale Earnhardt yeah. story, where Barry ain't going back to the mill. Ain't going back. Yeah, Barry, Barry Pepper plays uh, uh, Dale Earnhardt, and um, oh god, what's his name? Uh, J.K. Uh, Simmons plays uh, Ralph Earnhardt. Um, I I enjoyed the film, but race fans tore it apart. They said like. Why you got Dale driving a Chevrolet during this season because he was driving an Oldsmobile? I'm like, yeah, they probably didn't put that much research into it, but hey, but 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 Seth, what did you think about three? Did you like it? Dislike it? When I first watched it, I did like it. I'll admit that. But after watching it a few other times, and I don't mean just you know the small nitpicky inaccuracies. There were some major issues in that movie, uh, stuff that essentially I would say is com- more out of order uh, historically than anything else. And that's what I'm drawn to is not, say, uh, the car being in the wrong year or something like that, but just the timeline of events being out of order that more, uh, I guess, bugs me than anything else for that yeah, movie. I know exactly what you're saying because they, they had the same, a lot of folks that, uh, the movie they did about um, Freddie Mercury and Queen was... I was just thinking the same thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they, they just... Liberties they, taken and that wasn't... Took, took a few liberties in the timeline to make sure that they framed the end of the movie around a Live Aid concert. Yeah. So, so, but that's, that's what they say, a... <laughs> You know, based on a uh, true story. Life. I mean, that, that's the difference between a true story and based on a true story. You know, so but uh, to the point, the the Wendell Scott movie, the one that starred Richard Pryor, Grease Lighting, one of my favorite movies of all time. It is so entertaining. It's so fun to watch. Uh, uh, the the music by Richie Havens, the theme song is is so enjoyable. But there's almost nothing accurate, historically accurate about that film. All, all the other race car drivers are compilation characters. I mean, there was no driver named Bo Wells who won the Daytona 500, you know. But uh, but but he was a he was a compilation character of, of, of Buck Baker and Richard Petty and and and, and other people that uh, uh, Wendell competed against in real life. But but as a just a dramatic film that's fun to watch, it holds up. But if you want to start nitpicking the history of it yeah there's nothing that whole that whole scene at the end of the race where Wendell gets injured and comes back for the Grand National and and Pee Wee shows up with the tires that's one of my favorite movie lines too Pee Wee shows up Pee Wee is played by Cleavon Little he says um look what I got here fellas genuine Firestone tires don't ask me how I got them don't ask me where I got them but suffice to say somebody not gonna be racing this Saturday um you know, and none of that ever. He never had a comeback after that uh, that 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 crash at Talladega, and he certainly didn't win the Grand National uh, with uh, three lug nuts missing. But it was a good Hollywood moment. Now, speaking of more accurate dramatic films that are based on true <laughs> stories, yeah, <laughs> driven. Uh, 
Oh, we're gonna we're gonna get to, we're gonna get to Drip, but I wanted to talk about Rush because we're talking about films based on a true story right now. So Rush, I thought was very well done and very accurate. The Formula One stuff, anyway. Um, although the the whole Formula Two and Formula Three stuff early in the movie, a lot of that was made up. Yeah. The the whole that whole Crystal Palace race it didn't really go down that way. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, but uh, but 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 it's good for movies. Formula but One the, stuff was good, wasn't it? The Formula One stuff was you know really what? really good. And it was really kind of true to uh, true to what happened. So, yeah. now, Richard, what were your thoughts about I, Rush? I that, um, oh, I, I thought it was great because it, it, it's it's one of those movies that because of the actors that were involved, it, it drew people into in the same way that Ford versus Ferrari has done, uh, you know, recently. Uh, but the thing that really really struck a chord with me I guess is and you don't often see this in a lot of rivalries in sport you know typical rivalries in sport you know the the two protagonists will hate each other but you know Louder and Hunt didn't hate each other you know they had this really weird friendship that was born out of respect and admiration and there was that you know at the end of the movie there was that little sound bite with Nicky Louder wasn't there I, I can't remember you know, um, yeah, where, where Nicky's at, uh, in the airport, yeah, one of the only few, yeah, he's only one of the very few rivals that I respected, and is the only rival I admired. He was one of the few I called a friend, and he was the only one I admired, or something along those lines. Because you know, he, he, I mean, he was this typical Austro-German sort of precision, you know, scientist, sort of like the professor before you know Alan Prost was around. And was this sort of playboy, charismatic, you know, flying by the seat of his pants, womanizing and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Um, and there was one and there was one quote that I remember from James. And this was James. He was brilliant. Yeah. Somebody asked him, um, what was the uh, what was the, the soonest before a race that you had sex? And he said, does a pit stop count? <laughs> <laughs> And of oh, course, that's it was hilarious, yeah. Cheap, but that was typical James Hunt, sort of. You know, and, and Louder was exact opposite. And, you know, but to see that admiration and that rivalry, and I thought the film got that across really well, because watching the film, you'd think they'd hate each other, but at the, the end of it, and, you know, that, that and I don't know how much truth there was in that, but when, you know, um, Hunt was being asked all these questions in the in the press conference about Nicky Louder and then took one of the journalists outside and, you know, dealt with him. I, 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 I want to say I... I read up on that and I think that is mostly true I think they did have a bit of an altercation I don't think he punched him but I think he got him up against the wall didn't they I think yeah something it's, it's like exactly mo- mo- it's like mostly true yeah so but but a lot yeah. of, but a lot of the a lot of the racing stuff was was true to form you know the, the accident they did a they did a nice job recreating the accident and the thing I I liked about rush the best was that they had the, the cars they used were genuine yeah. 1976 Formula One cars that are that have been owned yeah. by collectors, and a lot of I mean, if you read the credits in the movie, you say like there's a guy credited as uh, Mario Andretti and a guy credited as, as uh, uh, you know yeah. Pat, Patrick DePaulier. You never see these characters in the movie, uh, but but no. those those were the guys that owned these cars that were driving them in, in the scenes. So, uh, the one, and I think at one point actually James Hunt's son drives. One of the cars, doesn't he? I'm not sure. I, I, I believe driven, so, yeah. 
I don't know if that was in the movie or was it like it was at Goodwood or something like that. I know he has driven one of them. Yeah, but, I mean the no, one I, the one, the one a, thing for me yeah. that Rush that I thought was missing was I mean all the interaction um, between drivers was between Hunt and Lauda. The only other driver with a real speaking role was uh, Clay Regazzoni. You know, other than the few guys that raised their hands during the, the meeting, so they they really didn't focus on relationships with anybody else at all. No. Um, but but that's just a mild I mean, that, mild criticism of the movie. But I thought it was purely about those two guys, wasn't it? Exactly. Well, I mean, casting wise, yeah. they they couldn't have picked two better actors to to no, nail, nail those roles. I mean, my guy Nicky Lauda, Nicky Lauda watched the movie and said, "My God, I'm watching myself." So yeah. Now. Something I do want to bring up real quick, and that's that's because this conversation has reminded me of it, how their on-track rivalry uh, made it look like they hated each other, in a sense, almost mirrors Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon, and there was actually a documentary on that last year. I wish I thought of this earlier during the documentary segment, but uh, Fox actually made a documentary called Unrivaled, which goes into how... Gordon and Earnhardt were actually friends and business partners away from the track uh, compared to the rivals that race fans have portrayed them as. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes on in racing where you, you, you guys are, you know, tooth and nail on the track, but they're then away from the track, they're, they're, they're best buddies, you know. Now, now Chris, any... I can play it up. Huh? Chris, I say it's an act. It kind of play it up a little bit. Yeah. So now, Chris, you mentioned Driven, which I know is your favorite movie. I know you pop it in your DVR <laughs> like, uh, you know, once a month. So let's talk about Driven. Um, <laughs> more monumental failures when it comes to box office. But uh, there, there are aspects of this film that I like, and there are aspects of this film that are complete garbage. But what, what's, what's your overall thought of Joe. Did you see Driven in the theaters when it came out or were you too young? I did see it in the theaters. I was actually twelve years old at the time. Yeah, um, I was yeah, I was older than you, but I was so <laughs> I was so much anticipating this. So but I, I let you tell your story. So fun fact about Driven, a lot of people may not remember this. It came out the same week that Cart had that aborted race in Texas. Yes it did. You're absolutely right. I say how many people actually remember that? I'll be honest, I didn't. I saw it in tears, but I did not know that. Yeah, it was um, it was kind of overshadowed by the um, unmitigated disaster that was the Texas um, IndyCar race. Um, yeah, Cart had wow. a massive, massive PR disaster on their hands there. And was that when it was too fast or something? Yeah, it was the car. They were literally the cars were literally too fast. Um, the drivers the were track. backing out. Yes, absolutely correct. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. All right, but uh, not but, but, but getting to the film itself. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. It, it, this film was much like that Texas cart race. It was an unmitigated disaster. And Paul Page on his Dinner with Racers episode actually talked about how much worse the film actually was before they did the final edit. And his the thing that Paul said in his episode that really always strikes well with me um, was that he stayed around to the very end of the movie and was relieved when his name was not in credits. 
Yeah. Uh, and you know, one thing that always did, that that jumps out of me at Driven is they spelled Michael Andretti wrong in the credits. They they spelled really. They spelled yeah. If you go watch go watch your uh, DVD and Driven. You've got to watch it all the way through. No, just watch. <laughs> no, just <laughs> fast fast end. forward fast forward to the end credits. They spelled Michael wrong. <laughs> Instead of M I C H A E L, they 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 switched the A and the E in Michael. Which I'm like, golly, you know what I mean? So, but uh, uh, anyway, but yeah, Driven was, uh, there are actually a few scenes in there I like. The, the opening race sequence uh, that was filmed in Chicago, some of those race scenes are really good. Um, but that, but all the crashes are way over the top. And then and, and this, the whole, oh, you know, the whole storyline with this, oh, let me pick up, do my pick up the quarters trick. It's fucking stupid. Oh, God, did I curse? <laughs> I did. Yeah, um, you did. Yes, I did. <laughs> it was justified, though. It was justified. <laughs> it was justified, yeah. But, yeah, Driven, I, I had such high hopes. You know, that Stallone initially wanted to make this a Formula One movie. And he was yeah, trying, yeah. trying to follow, follow the Formula One circuit. And then he realized it'd be more cost-effective for him to follow the, the cart thing. So that's why you got weird storyline, you know, in there, like they're racing in Germany that was written into the original script. Of course, you know, Cart wasn't racing in Germany at the time, but, uh, well, they did in Driven. 2001. Yeah, which was after Driven came out. Loud at the ring. Yeah. Yeah, but they weren't racing at uh, the Nürburgring or wherever they were supposed to be, where, where the guy flies off into the into the river and there's no safety team and the two other drivers have to stop, pull them out. I don't know. Uh, Driven is a bit of a train wreck. People like to call it drivel, but uh, there's better movies out there. So Seth, name a better movie than Driven. Ford versus Ferrari. All right. Now, <laughs> now you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. I have not yet to see this. I've not seen it yet. So um, if you guys have seen it, go ahead and uh, talk us about, talk us through. Sorry, I just popped the blood vessel hearing that. <laughs> All right, Seth, talk about Ford versus Ferrari for a bit, and uh, you guys uh, discuss a little bit. Honestly, it, it, there are some inaccuracies in the movie. Uh, uh, I don't mean just the racing scenes. I mean general scenes that take place in the movie, but again, creative licensing. But it does accurately tell the story to the point of the wanting of why Ford wanted to beat Ferrari <laughs> and how they got to that point. Granted, there's some lack of explanation <laughs> as to why Ken Miles didn't actually win that race. Uh, there was now a staged victory. They did some of the Daytona scenes at Auto Club Speedway. Uh, but honestly... And also, uh, Riverside didn't exist anymore, so they filmed that at a different track uh, altogether. But there are a number of scenes that do tell, essentially, the story of American ingenuity and why Ford versus Ferrari actually became a thing. I did like how they started with the 1959 uh, race. Uh, that was actually the one part of the movie that I missed. Um I was on my way to the theater, actually, and I, I made it right before the Riverside race. So I actually saw the very beginning of the movie for the first time at my apartment. So I was really, really 
pleased that they started with that part of the movie or the, that that they started with that race as part of the movie too because that's kind of like a backstory yeah and i want to say the riverside scenes were filmed at utah motorsports park that sounds about right um I think, yeah or more sports complex. I'm not entirely sure the name of the track, but I know it was filmed here in the States and they went to a track that was somewhat similar in background. But uh, Richard, what are your thoughts on Ford versus Ferrari? I thought it was very good. Again, it's, you know, a bit like, you know, the Rush and, you know, some of the, the other movies we discussed, they're, the the designed to be a entertainment first and then a historically accurate movie second I think and yeah they do take a few liberties along the way but on the whole they get the essence of the dynamic between Ford and Ferrari and then not only that but also then the infight of the politics within Ferrari um, and I think one of the things that was lost for a long time throughout this whole story was actually what a damn good driver Ken Miles was. You know, he was obviously renowned as an engineer along with, with Shelby, you know, the the work they did as, as engineers. Uh, but, you know, from a driving standpoint, the guy was damn good. Never got the recollection he really ever deserved. Um, no, and, he, and he, but, he, he lost his life shortly after that uh, that win. Yeah. At Riverside, Riverside, yeah. Anyway. So, uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was good. Another film I want to bring up, and this is one that that a lot of folks older older than y'all young people um, consider to be like the greatest racing film of all time is Le Mans. This old Stephen. No, oh, I'm just gonna say that. Gosh, <laughs> gosh. Well, we'll talk about Le Mans for a little bit because we are we are we are kind of up against the clock here. But uh, I, people I love people people love this movie. People love this movie, but, but I, I find I I. I don't get it like some people do. Really? I, I mean, literally, there, there, are the, there are these long, long pauses. Okay, so it's like 25 minutes in, into the film before the first line of dialogue is spoken. And there's these long, long gaps with uh, – and there's not even background music. So, uh, um, I mean, I, I love the racing sequences. I love the Porsche 917s. And, uh, but, uh, Richard, go ahead. Sell me on this one. We were friends. Oh, we're we're still this friends. Like, this is like critiquing the Mona Lisa. Oh, good grief. Not no. difficult to do. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, she's uh, her eyebrows are crooked, or if they're even there. So, But no, go ahead, Lamaze. you got three it's minutes. It's an amazing film, because it's just, it summarizes what racing is all about. You don't need dialogue to know what's going on. The... You know the, the the passion and the the speed. I think this is from a, a a depiction of speed. I think this is one of the greatest movies out there from racing. You know, it shows speed and it shows how you know, the raw power of these cars and the bravery of these drivers. Unlike I think pretty much any other movie that I've seen from a racing standpoint, anyway. Um, and you look at. You know, it's like being at the race. You know, there's no commentary. There's no, um, you know, dialogue. It's like you're there because when you're there, you don't hear what the drivers are saying to each other. You don't hear what the team and the crew are saying. And the dialogue is not necessarily uh, towards 
It's just background dialogue which goes on within the team, goes on within the in the drivers, and it's what you see and it's what you hear when you're actually there at the event. So from that standpoint, I think it's an incredibly realistic movie. There's no perverse subplot that tries to overpower the racing. It's just a pure racing movie that captures the bravery and the speed and the determination that these guys went through, especially back in the 60s and the 70s when the race of the might. I mean, it was brutal out there. And I think this probably more than any other racing movie, I think really, really captures the raw intensity that, um, you know, that, that is what it's really like to be there. All right. Sounds good, Richard. <laughs> no, no, that, that was very impassioned. That was, that was, yeah, I have to wipe a tear from my eye after hearing that. So, yeah. but, but, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love the racing sequences of Lamont. I just, but as a, as a, as a dramatic film, you know, to hold somebody's attention that maybe may not be a race fan. For sure. I mean, it lost money at the box office. Oh, certainly, you know, certainly, in, yeah, so. You know, but I don't think that was why Steve McQueen did the movie. No, you know, no, no, Steve, Steve McQueen was, was a racer at heart, so. Well, it's like Paul Newman, you mentioned earlier, you know. He was a, a lot of, you know, he often described himself as a racer turned actor rather than the other way around. Um, and to just get that, it, it, as I say, from having, you know, not worked Le Mans, but certainly worked racetracks and events and race series and being around race teams. It's very realistic for what it's like being there. You don't necessarily know what's going on all the time. You don't have everything laid out in front of you in a script like you would some of the more commercial movies. This is a lot, lot, lot more realistic from a event standpoint than some of the other movies we've discussed. I think that's fair. Uh, oddly enough, we're out of time, but I don't even know if we're time bound right now during quarantine. So let's let's go a couple extra minutes because there are a couple other films that uh, that I want to talk about, um, and one of them is um, Winning, which is the film the story that, of uh, Charlie Sheen. No, no, the story of Frank Capra. <laughs> Terrible. Tigers, Tigers, blood. Well, Tigers are hot right now on Netflix, so. Um, <laughs> but I digress. But uh, that's, another, that's another that's another good racing film. Um, Bobby Deerfield is another horrible racing film, or it's another horrible film built around a racing thing. But one of my favorites, and Seth, you'll agree with me, Talladega Nights. Talladega uh, Nights is uh, the best thing I I heard about it. It was my younger brother Michael said this after he watched the film because he goes, "Oh my God, it's 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 it's." Perfectly encapsulates encapsulates North Carolina NASCAR culture. Now, now, what are your thoughts on on Talladega Nights? Because I love this movie; I could watch it every day. Um, but uh, do you think it's like a? Some folks think it's a slap in the face to uh, real racing movies. Um, are those people just being uptight, or, or or do you enjoy this as much as I do? I enjoy it as a comedy. But I do think it's a slap in the face to racing movies. And the main reason why is NASCAR, yes, they knew this movie was being made, but they weren't let in on the joke from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Yep. So <laughs> I don't think they would have gone forward with it the way they did had they known the kind of movie it would have been. All right, Chris, what are your thoughts on this? 
Uh, I thought it was funny as heck. Uh, a good friend of mine still hates Wolf Hour to this day because of that movie. Um, but yeah, I, I did find that it was funny and also a good inspiration for Carl Edwards after he flipped at Talladega, uh, with Brad Keselowski and how he ran across the start finish line to finish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, Richard, Richard, your thoughts on this one? So I, I watched this movie, obviously, when it first came out, long before I even contemplated coming to work over for NASCAR, and um, uh, I thought it was just a big spoof joke, sort of mockumentary sort of thing. It's pretty damn realistic, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the answer I was looking for. But the, the funny thing about it was, as, as, as Seth was, you know, NASCAR in on this movie being made, because obviously it's all licensed, you know, cars and drives and all this sort of stuff. And a lot of the scenes in the movies were fil- filmed like on race weekends, and the crowd are real, and 90% of the mechanics on the BBC and the are real engineers and real mechanics, and they weren't in on this. And uh, I'm trying to remember the movie, it's a while since I've seen it, but there's the, the, the part at the end of the race where um, Sasha Barra Cohen kisses his husband, I think, or something like that at the end of the movie, isn't it? Yeah, and, no, like, he, kisses, the- he kisses Will Ferrell at the end of the movie. That's it, sorry, yeah. And then like the, the NASCAR official like throws the flag around and storms off. That wasn't scripted. That's what really happened. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> no, I just I just think I just think this movie has so many funny, quotable lines, but 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 me I'm I'm a fan of a good comedy, right? And and oh, to, yeah. to to uh to frame a comedy around a sport that I love watching Makes it all that much better for me, but but I do understand there are there are people out there who think this thing is a disgrace and is a slap in the face of NASCAR. Yeah. I'm like, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, if you can't laugh, what do you have? What do you have if you can't laugh? At the end so, of the day, NASCAR is has got far bigger problems than that movie if, if they worry about why people laugh at them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's true. So so anyway, so we we are I guess our time limit. Anybody else want to throw out? One or two more movies, so we don't go too far over. Horse racing, Sea Biscuit. <laughs> hey, that's only one horsepower. A good movie. It's not a racing movie. It's got some fantastic driving and chase scenes. In is Ronan. Late late nineties, Robert De Niro, Sean Bean. Oh yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Really, really good movie. I remember that really one, good yeah. movie. So that was directed by John Frankenheimer, who also did Grand Prix, which nobody really mentioned. Oh my gosh, Grand Prix mm-hmm. is another, yeah. Grand Prix kind of yeah. set, the, set the standard for in-car cameras or on-car cameras. Yes, yeah. and that uh, was all done by John, I think it was John Frankenheimer, wasn't it? I think that's the guy that directed that. I, I, he did I, own it. I, think it I believe so, movies. yeah. Um, and again, it still has the, apart from in a couple of the scenes, they put this fake tire smoke. It's, like, it's so bad, just don't even try and do that. Almost ruined it, but there's there's like Audi, or whatever they are, driving around Paris. Oof, yeah, pretty cool. All right, so quickly, since you mentioned Grand Prix, there, there's one thing that bugs me about Grand Prix and the movie Rush. There's a whole scene where the, the driver is talking to the young lady looking at the car, and they have the whole thing. It's like, and it, it, it goes like, well, it's just kind of just like a, a coffin on wheels. You know, he's... Back then, they basically were. Okay, no, no, my point is that... The filmmakers of Rush lifted the entire scene where James Hunt is showing the car to uh, his uh, wife-to-be. The, the, the dialogue is almost spot-on word-for-word with just a few little changes here and there. But if you were if you were to like, pull up the script from Grand Prix, pull up the script from Rush, they, they, they 
you know, Ron Howard and et al. lifted that whole little speech about the car being nothing but a little coffin on wheels um, from Grand Prix. And Grand Prix, another just, just amazing film. And James Garner, another actor who fell in love with racing after uh, doing a racing movie. So, well, guys, we are out of time. So I, w- I want to thank you, Chris, Seth, Richard. Um, you guys are awesome. This was this was a fun, fun show. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you folks that listened to us enjoyed it. And I want to thank Who Was Your Radio Network. And I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, and Google Podcasts, who all carry us. And until next week, uh, good night. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 